everybody. Welcome to episode 75 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirkatani. I'm Andy Hamilton coming to you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Dan Gable Museum in Waterloo, Iowa. Joined, as always, by the wizard of the track wrestling rankings, David Mirkatani. Welcome back, David. Andy, I'm excited. World Cup week. First chance to, to sit next to you at an international event, man. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, you don't even have to go to Poland to do it either, David. How awesome is that? Yeah, just get in the car and go. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, Carver Hawkeye Arena. Cool, yeah. It's going to be two really fun days of wrestling. United States has a loaded squad. Jordan Burroughs calling his shot right now yesterday in Carver Hawkeye Arena. Uh, media session there. Um, I said this is the year. This is the year it's going to happen. And uh I think you look on paper now, certainly with uh, out Russia and Iran in it. Um, United States, pretty prohibitive favorite. Azerbaijan has a, a really good squad. Uh, but when you, when you take the squad that uh, won the world championship last year and then you add uh, Kyle Dake and David Taylor to it when it uh, expands <laughs> out to 10 weights, man, that's that's a pretty tough combination to beat. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I you know... Obviously, they'll probably sell that place out, but I just can't encourage people enough. Like, if you love the NCAs, this is like the elite of the elite, you know, where, you know, guys that, like a guy like Alex Deringer, who's just been killing it, is an alternate on this team. You know, you know, outstanding wrestler in Ukraine, outstanding wrestler at Farrell, three-time national champ, Hodge winner. You know, he's an alternate on this team. I mean, that, you know, and that doesn't even talk about some of the other countries teams. So it's just an unbelievable opportunity to literally see some of the best guys in the world. And, you know, a lot of guys that, you know, we've, you know, depending on your age, either you're fans of, or, you know, people like you sort of grew up idolizing if you're a little kid, you know, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Russia and Iran aren't going to be part of it. Uh, you know, Iran protesting uh, date of the UWW Greco Roman world cup. Uh, that's what that stems from, is my understanding. And then uh, Russia, uh, it's kind of a uh, we said, they said uh, type of deal on, on what happened, on why they're not here. They claim that the United States uh, is keeping them out. Uh, on the other side of the coin, you know, you hear that uh, they just, they, you know, they waited too long to, to get their visa appointments. And, and uh, um, you know, here we are, two weeks out, uh, and and uh, they're you know they're still still trying to get their visas at that point and uh, just got down to the wire where they couldn't get them and and uh, it's unfortunate uh, but uh, you know it's, what's strange about it is you take uh, two powerhouse countries out of the mix like that and you add India Mongolia and fifty seven kilos just got a heck of a lot better uh, with. Um, you know, you bring in uh, in uh, or Denabat, who was the uh, uh, multiple time, two time world bronze medalist uh, from Mongolia, and uh, Thomas Gilman's road in Carver Hawkeye Arena. He's going to run the gauntlet. Uh, Yuki Takahashi, the reigning world champion, uh, who beat Thomas Gilman in the world finals last year from Japan. Uh, so Gilman will uh, he will get tested uh, this week. So it's going to be. Uh, Interesting to watch 57 kilos for sure, and then there are going to be some top superstars scattered throughout. I mentioned Azerbaijan. That's uh, pretty 
pretty impressive squad that they've put together, led by three-time world champ Haji Aliyev, uh, who will be at 65 kilos, three-time world champ at 61. So that's another thing to uh, keep an eye on, too, is just uh, as we move forward, how guys handle uh, the new, you know, their new weight classes with, with a lot of guys moving around due to the two-day format and uh, day of weigh-ins. That will be something to follow. Uh, I do not think that hurts the United States, David. No, it's, I think, you know, most of these guys are used to making weight multiple days, one hour weigh-ins, two hour weigh-ins. And then you, you top that with, um, you know, the fact that it's, it's here at home, right? They're eating food they're used to and, you know, all those kind of things. And I, I think you're probably right, but, you know, I think even the bigger picture, um, as far as, you know, down the line, these multiple day weigh-in seems like it, it does help our country more than others. And so you kind of wonder how long it's going to stay that way. Cause it seems like they generally change the rules to help, you know, help the European countries, not so much America. So, uh, you know, we got a chance, as I mentioned, got a chance to visit with Jordan Burroughs, Bill Zadick, uh, Kyle Dake, Thomas Gilman, Nick Wazdowski, uh, Kyle uh, Klingman and I will have uh, Burroughs and Zadick on our on the map podcast lots of interesting stuff from those two uh just about uh you know a lot of stuff about jordan burroughs you know you, you get the chance to talk to him david and uh you know you've had the experience and and uh i've, yeah, I've always said that the, yeah. i've always said that the best interviews aren't interviews they're conversations and that's the way they always are with jordan and so many interesting things about him and one to me that's uh super fascinating and we get the chance to talk to him about he I remember back the first time I interviewed him and, and he placed third in 2008 and got a chance to talk to him after the tournament. And, uh, you know, he's super shy and, uh, it was not the charismatic outgoing, happy, uh, you know, super, um, compelling you know, articulate, uh, guy that he is now. And, uh, You know, I get the chance to ask him about that. You know, what what happened? How did you get to this point? And and uh, he said some some really interesting things about how you know you get thrust into this position, you know, where he's essentially the face of the franchise for USA Wrestling, and and all of a sudden you have to you have to learn how how to uh, fill that role. You know, he talked about uh, you know you you, you know you're a thirteen year old prince, and all of a sudden the king dies, and you're the king. You know. You got to learn how to that's handle the role. Awesome, that's an awesome analogy. <laughs> and, and, awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know that that was one of the the interesting parts about that. Uh, just a, a lot of uh, interesting bits in that uh, in that interview. We went in a lot of different directions with it. You know, we you know Kyle's first question was about how uh, Jordan was you know five time world and Olympic champion and a two time NCAA champion. And a one-time state champion, and normally, uh, normally progression doesn't really go that way. But uh, it was it was uh, fun to hear him talk about how he has gotten to this point and uh, the steps that he has made along the way. So be sure to uh, check out on the mat this week, and uh, lots of interviews going up on track wrestling over the course of the next few days leading up to the World Cup. So David, on the college front, we have a lot to get to. As far as college wrestling goes, big news coming out Tuesday night. Kurt McHenry to Michigan. Good get for Sean Bormet. One week on the job. 
wraps up his first <laughs> official week on the job by landing a two-time cadet world champ. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, kind of ties a little bit. I'm, I'm good friends with John Morrison who wrestled great at the Bill Farrell this weekend. And John actually coached out in Maryland for a year and coached Kurt. So I would guess that has something to do with it. I haven't talked to John about it, but I'm sure that relationship was helpful. But McHenry's a huge get. I mean, he's a light guy, number one guy in the country, you know, maybe the number one overall guy in his class. And if he's not a career 25, he's going to be a 25 for a long time. And those are very, very rare and very, very uh, coveted at that level for sure. So you know, congrats to, to Sean, you know, when I had Joe on McFarland on, you know, he felt really good about what, uh, what, you know, where, how he was leaving things and, you know, leaving things in good hands and, and where the program was headed. So it's, uh, and clearly that's the way it's going for sure. Yeah. You start looking down the line at what they've got lined up, you know, Drew Matten, true freshman this year at 125. Uh, Kurt McHenry coming in, class of 2019, so uh, seemed to be in good shape at 25. Joey Silva, uh, 33. Kanan Store jumping on board at 41. They got Ben Freeman on that roster. Um, you know, some some other really young guys as well. You know, we're we're talking about uh, uh, Massa and Miles Amin and and uh, on down the line, and Mason Paris coming in at heavyweight, and uh, certainly, you know, things are looking upward for Michigan for years to come here. That's a, that's a pretty solid lineup uh, from top to bottom, you know, and they're certainly going to, um, yeah, I didn't mention Will Lawan cadet world champ as well, you know, filling one of those middleweight spots. <laughs> nice guy to be able to skip over, right? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so uh, Michigan's set up, David. They're set up pretty well. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, it's a hard school academically and it's an expensive school. And so they can't miss on as many guys. They have to, they have to hit. So, you know, it'll be interesting uh, to see, you know, as long as these guys keep developing, they just, the margin of error is a lot less, you know, and I, I've talked to Joe and Sean about that off air. Um, so, but yeah, they, they seem like they're loaded for a while here and I don't think they lose anybody next year, but, but, but Pantaleo. So they should, you know, be good again for two more years, for sure. Well, uh, lots of stuff going on in college wrestling right now. Austin DeSanto uh, looks like he's going to be on the move from Drexel, Iowa, Penn State uh, appear to be the front runners there, which that uh, sets up for a fun storyline to follow, right? I mean, Penn State's got all those lightweights that they have signed, Brody Teske, Gavin Teasdale, um, Roman Bravo Young, not to mention Nick Lee, Joe Lee, um, on down the line Those, with you know guys up to yellows yeah, yeah. for the next year. Yep, yep, absolutely, good point. Um, and then Iowa, there's a need there, right? I mean, 133 pounds after Spencer Lee in the lineup, uh, you know. But uh, you know, we talk about Michigan and what they have set up. If the Hawkeyes could plug DeSanto in, you know, behind Spencer Lee, and then. You know, those 41-pounders that they have with uh, Max Marin, Carter Happel, Vince Turk, all with uh, two-plus uh, years of eligibility, two, three, and four years of eligibility left. Um, Pat Lugo, a couple years left. Michael Kemmer, a couple years left. Alex Mar- Marinelli with three. 
um, Caleb Young, Joey Gunther, uh, Jacob Warner, um, Sam Stoll for next year, and Tony Cassiope coming in after that. Hawkeyes uh, have a team that uh, can be right there in the mix for a title, David, if they could get Austin DeSanto on board. Yeah, and, you know, I think either this week or the next coming weeks we'll talk about returning points, but certainly – you know, they, it makes them stronger. I think what's really interesting is like when you do these studies on points, like you do and I do, what is interesting is, you know, like a guy that takes ninth and a guy that doesn't even qualify are only two points different. So it's super top heavy and it's impact guys. So if a DeSanto can get on the podium, he's a big difference maker. If he's around a 12 guy, he can help you win some dual meets, but ultimately that's not what your season is remembered for. And, you know, he certainly didn't help himself with how he, he acted in, in the Misich match and then how he acted in, in the Del Vecchio match with just public perception. I think he was sort of universally loved, uh, you know, for the publicity he'd gotten for beating Spencer Lee. And then I think, you know, maybe just some, some youth and maybe some immaturity. But, you know, I, I read a release by his high school coach, and, you know, so, you know, you have to build a relationship with him. And, you know, we coached a lot of guys like that in junior college, and I think we had maybe a little bit of an advantage because we tell guys, look, you know, how you act, everybody's watching. So if you want to go to the next level, understand that you're under the microscope. Well, you know, he's already at that Division One level, so maybe he felt a little more freedom to, to act – on his emotions, and that probably wasn't ideal for him. Well, certainly it's a different world now, right? I mean, just about every match, you know, there's video of it somewhere, right? It's uh, well, not only matches, but but your social life, yep. right? Yeah, and absolutely. Everything's documented now. As soon as they put, you know, we're all walking around with cameras. Yeah. You know? yep. So your life is completely different. It's it's very very interesting for sure. Yeah. So uh, that's certainly a. A big storyline to follow here, as well as West Virginia, South Dakota State. Uh, those jobs, um, presume that they'll be filled here sometime in the next couple of weeks. It sounds like uh, both are coming down to the wire here. Any thoughts on on who you might uh, who, who you look at as favorites, David, for those positions? Who you think would be good fits? Terry Colot to West Virginia seems like. The yeah. best fit. I mean, he, he, you know, he grew up 20, 25 minutes from there. You know, I think he understands the importance of recruiting that area. Sammy and I actually went to high school at the same time together. We grew up about 25 minutes apart. I think, you know, it's easy to kind of, you know, go second. And I love Sammy, but he probably had to do a better job recruiting that area. He had a lot of guys from the Midwest. And it seems like, you know, when you take kids farther away from home, the chance of them not working out goes up exponentially. And, you know, especially if you're in like, you know, Podunkville XYZ state and you don't have a choice, then you have to do that. But when you're in that area, you got to get some hammers from out of that area. You know, Colot's a legend and he's a legend in that area. So I think he would make a lot of sense, which would then keep the carousel moving, right? Because Campbell would be open. Um, South Dakota State, I think, is a really good job. I, 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 I think it's really good. I and mean, there's some things that go into it, the cost of tuition, the low cost of out-of-state tuition, the reciprocity they have with Minnesota. 
Um, you know, they're, they're tied with legends of gold there with Terry pack. So they have, you know, they have their own RTC plus that, I mean, there's, you know, the, clearly the community is behind them now, you know, credit to Chris and to John and that crew, they built that, but that, that community's not going to quit on South Dakota state wrestling unless, unless South Dakota state wrestling quits on the community. So I think that job's a really good job. Um, you know, and I think the usual suspects, the guys you hear are, are going to be up for it. I don't know who the best fit is to me. Colot to West Virginia feels like a slam dunk in terms of what makes sense. You know, how do you see it? Well, yeah, I think so as well. I mean, you look at uh, what, what's super important there. If you're West Virginia, I mean, probably uh, being able to get in, uh, get in deep on those ties to Western Pennsylvania, right? I mean, the Pittsburgh area, not far away, you know, being able to go in there and get some top prospects year after year. And, and also, uh, you know, it, it just seems like to me, if it, the right person in place there, that West Virginia could be a gold mine, right? I mean, right there across the border yeah. from, from uh, Pennsylvania, right, uh, right there with Ohio sitting next door, not far away from, uh, you know, Maryland, uh, you know, we've seen, uh, look at Maryland, what uh, Maryland has produced here in recent years. I mean, Kyle Snyder, Helen Maroulis, uh, Aaron Brooks, um, you know, Kurt McHenry wrestling uh, for a school in that area. I mean, uh, I think uh, he's not a not a Maryland Paul, kid, right? but yeah. Uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, there are uh, there are a lot of high school prospects coming out of there, a lot of top level prospects coming out of the state of Maryland, not to mention uh, Jersey. And then uh, Jersey, New York, not far, uh, uh, not terribly far away. Uh, so I think you've you open yourself up to a lot of uh, you put you put yourself in a lot of recruiting races uh, if you get the right guy in place at at West Virginia. Then uh, as far as South Dakota State goes, uh, you mentioned all the points there. Um, you're also coming into a program where you got a national champion coming back. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a nice. You know, that's a pretty good start, right? There's a ton of bonus points, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, I mean, you set yourself up there where you add a couple guys, two, three other guys that are in the mix to make the podium, or, uh, uh, you know, if, if you can you can uh, get a couple other guys to go with Seth Gross, uh, you're looking at uh, being right there on the on the doorstep to the top ten, getting things, uh, getting things rolling from year one, which I think is uh, – you know, I think uh, if, if you're walking into a head coaching position, you know, you're you're either selling what you've got going for you or or you're selling hope, right? And uh, if you're selling hope, there's only That's so long well there's only so long that you can sell hope. And it seems like it only lasts about a year or two and then uh, uh, if you aren't producing results at that point, then uh, then the uh, shine wears off and then you have to start producing results to be able to get guys uh, to buy in, you know, on the, as far as recruiting goes. So uh, uh, I think that, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I think that whoever walks into that position for, for the reasons that you outlined about, uh, you know, uh, resources and community support and uh, what, what you're going to be dealing with from, uh, you know, the, the cost to go to school there, you know, scholarship standpoint. That cannot be that cannot be underestimated how inexpensive right. it is there. That's a huge advantage they have. Right. And we spoke to this uh, a week ago, you know, just a, the tremendous job that Chris Bono, John reader, and you know, their staff throughout the years did there, 
you take a program that won seven dual meets in three years prior to his arrival, and, and uh, they won 14 in each of his last three years there. And uh, you mentioned it. Um, they, you know, we've, we've talked about this uh, various times throughout the, the past two seasons, too, just uh, the, the community support, which, which was cultivated not only by, by the way that uh, they performed on the map, but just... Uh, you know how they went out uh, into the community and and made themselves accessible to South Dakota State fans, and uh, I think that's that's one thing that uh, wh- whomever uh, takes that job, you know, I would like to, I would hope that they would continue that trend and and you know put themselves out there in the community, have those roundtable you know discussions with with fans at uh, you know little diners around Brookings and, and things like that, so uh, you know the, that uh, they maintain that strong connection you know, to the community in Brookings. I think it's a great point. I mean, when I had a chance to interview uh, Metcalf and St. John, uh, when I was up there at Agony at Ames, they talked about how Kevin Dresser was, you know, doing that and how, you know, Metcalf was pretty honest. He's like, you know, that's not the kind of stuff I think about. You know, I think about the wrestling and the X's and O's, and was, but, you know, you see how it makes a big difference in the community. So, yeah, I think that's critical. And, you know, I, I grew up in a big city, you know, small town culture is different. And, you know, these people, you know, a lot, it's very blue collar and wrestling's a blue collar sport. So when you come out and support, you know, when, when the coaches come to you and you know, they sort of come off, you know, when Muhammad comes off the mountain, so to speak, I think it has a huge positive impact. And yeah, I would hope like you're saying that whoever is looking at that job well, first of all, if I'm the administration, I'd be like, look, this is what needs to happen. And that they'd be like, yeah, and here's how we want to ramp it up even more. Speaking of ramping it up, David, how about Rudis? They're ramping it up, aren't they? <laughs> Going out and getting Kyle Snyder? I, yeah, I ran into Nancy Schultz Sunday at the airport right after Nationals. And um, I actually asked her about Snyder, and she just had a big grin on her face. Or, you know, his mom actually works for them. So. I think it, it felt like it was a fate complete. It's a huge deal. Uh, the one thing I don't know, maybe you know, are they planning on making a shoe? That would or not surprise me. That would not surprise. I said that would not surprise me if they get into the shoe market now. They got the right guy, right? Right. I mean, you know, there's the two most marketable people in America, you know, JB's with ASICs. So, I mean, they, they landed the biggest free agent, you know, and the thing about Snyder is, I mean, he, you said this after the world championships, you know, we're talking about the three that won it. And you said, you know, maybe the, maybe part of it is just be a good person. And he, you know, it wasn't facetiously, but, you know, kind of maybe a little slightly tongue in cheek, but that's exactly like this guy doesn't do anything wrong. You know, he, he doesn't make excuses when he, he loses even to a hammer, you know, up 70 pounds. Uh, you know, like the worst thing he did was lose a team point for throwing his headgear to a fan. <laughs> if, you know, if, if it's time to check out and that's your worst sin, I think you had a pretty good life, right? You yeah. know, so, yeah, I mean, he's such a role model for, you know, I mean, he's obviously considerably younger than you and me, but he leads a lifestyle that I think, you know, even guys our age could learn from. So it, it's, it's a huge get for them. You know, Rudis has done a really good job of sort of being the cool company that people are going to. And 
like you said, you're selling hope and then you have to sell results. Well, you know, they make, you know, really cool looking gear and now they've got the results, you know, they can, you know, tie themselves to Snyder's results. So it's going to be really, really interesting to watch their marketing. I'm good friends with the Rudis uh, rep here in St. Louis and we were talking about it. So I think he's pretty hyped. I think everybody, you know, tied with that company is obviously hyped about it. Well, it's really cool to see that uh, guys now are stepping out of college and they got deals like this waiting for them, right? I mean, Zane Rutherford to Scrap Life and, uh, you know, you mentioned Kyle and Bryce Meredith to Adidas. And, you know, that's uh, the game has changed, David. I mean, since, uh, you know, I remember 15 years ago, you know, guys, 10, 15 years ago, guys were, uh, you know, working at, uh, what was it? Uh, was it, it, was it Home Depot? Were they the Home Depot and Dick's Sporting Goods? Yeah, like yeah, they had the two places that were. They had the Home Depot had yeah. the deal that like what if you were an Olympic hopeful you worked uh, like twenty hours and they would pay you for forty or something like that wasn't that the deal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. That was awesome too. Yeah, absolutely, and that uh, that helped so many Olympic hopefuls in in so many different sports, and you know I remember uh, I remember Mark Ironside telling me one time that he worked at like a FedEx or uh, or UPS. And he would uh, work from like midnight till 8 a.m. And, uh, you know, then he would go in and train. He'd go from his, his shift, uh, eight-hour shift, and go in and, and have a morning practice. And we're talking about a Hodge winner, man. And that's what he had to do to, yeah. to keep training and uh, keep the Olympic dream alive. And now, I mean, I think back to, uh, I think back to about 08. And look at how many guys that uh, – you know, that wrestling was losing to MMA. I mean, you know, Ben Askren makes the, the uh, Olympic team in 08 and, uh, you know, goes off and has a, you know, great, great career in MMA, but um, his career in wrestling didn't, uh, didn't last as long as, as maybe um, a lot of us would have, would have hoped. Um, you know, Johnny Hendricks went straight into, uh, went straight into MMA and, and never really made a run at uh, making a you know world or Olympic team and, and it seemed like there were a lot of guys back in Mohammed Lawal yeah yeah about about ten years ago that uh, you know their their careers on the mat were pretty short lived after college just because uh, they found you know greener pastures elsewhere and um, you know it's it's nice that now we're not we're not worried about that anymore remember remember like Burroughs after he won his first world title even like everybody was worried like how long is he going to stay in it is he going to go fight um that's right and and now like that doesn't even seem to be a question anymore does it i mean you got guys coming out and and uh, the top guys it's not you know are they going to be taken care of are they going to be able to make it financially it's it's uh you know how many world titles are these guys going to win which uh you know that and the changing rule set you know, the, the rules that have been in place the last five years or for five years now, uh, it has put wrestling in such a better position in the United States. Throw in the other stuff, too, the, the age division stuff, the uh, RTCs, the, the incredible success that, uh, you know, that USA Wrestling is having from the cadet level, the junior level, uh, all the way up to the seniors. And now, uh, man, this is fun. This is fun thinking about what uh, 2020 might look like when you, you condense this back down to six weights and you've got, uh, you know, possibly date coming back down to 74 kilos, um, along with Burroughs, maybe, you know, who knows where Daringer is going to be at that point. Uh, Mark Hall, um, it's, you know, Imar, it's, it's fun to, you know, 
think about these possibilities of, of what the Olympic trials might look like in 2020. Yeah, you stated everything really eloquently. And as you were doing that, two stories struck me. One, when I interviewed Art Martori, I called some people to kind of get background on him because he's really, you know, does a lot of things behind the scenes, but he's, you know, not very public. And one of the folks I called was John Smith. And, and coach told me how Art Martori, he goes, Art Martori might be the person most responsible for my international success at least financially because he let you know he made sure that you know i was able to train and he goes you know the mental relief i had to be able to train and so you know what it i I thought of that in terms of what you were saying that these opportunities weren't there and then i fast forward to this past summer uh we had alex deringer in for a camp and he actually stayed with me and you know, he was explaining to me how, you know, his situation with Nike and his situation with the Cowboy Wrestling Club and, you know, that financially he can just train, you know, and that's his business. And the numbers are, are not relevant for the conversation, but that he's able to train and try to be the best in the world. And, you know, they'll learn from these places and go to the Olympics training center for a week and, and, you know, that they can bring people into him and he can go to other places. And it is a complete metamorphosis to the good and you're right because you know i coach a lot of guys that fight and it becomes a situation where like look you know i don't want to get out of competition i need to wait may excuse me i need a way to make a living and i think the elite guys the super elite guys are going to stay in wrestling and the guys that maybe aren't quite as elite wrestling is going to be an unbelievable springboard in mma for those guys you know so i think like it's it's kind of what wrestling fans want we get to keep the super superstars and then the superstars go and crush MMA and, you know, helps us point out what a great martial art wrestling is. Yeah. And I think about too, you know, to your point there, I mean, think about it too, about 10 years ago, how, you know, the next logical step, right. After you, uh, after you were competing was, uh, to get into coaching while, or, or excuse me, not, not after you were done competing, but after you're done competing in college was to get that, that coaching right. job, right. To be able to support your training. And, and I think about Jordan Burroughs in 2014 and uh, you know, that one year that, that he tried it. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was one year and then that was it. I mean, he talked about having to, you know, train and then he was coming home and, and uh, making recruiting calls and, and, uh, trying to make sure that uh, he was getting what he needed, but also so, so were the, the guys on the team or, you know, around his weight that he was working, working with. And, you know, it's, it's been really cool that, uh, you know, the, the financial support is there now for these guys to just clear the deck and, and worry about what's in front of them from a competition standpoint and training standpoint, rather than, you know, having to, uh, you know, be a volunteer assistant or, or a second assistant and they're making recruiting calls all the time. And, and, uh, you know, they're getting sidetracked a little bit now. Uh, now it's a, uh, it's more of a singular focus for, for these guys. And, uh, you know, Burroughs made the point yesterday. Um, it was, he goes, I'm the only guy on the team with kids right now. I'm the only guy on the team who's married and, and, uh, you know, he goes, these guys are, are coming back and, uh, you know, they're playing Fortnite and, and I, I'm worried about, you know, getting my kids, uh, you know, 
making sure they're getting their teeth brushed and, and uh, taking their baths and stuff like that. And I'm getting them to bed on time. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, like I mentioned, it's been tremendous to see the, the change in uh, the way that athletes are compensated now in wrestling. So, Yeah, it's great stuff. And I remember when Burroughs took that job, I, I said to somebody, I'm like, there's no way you can be an awesome dad, an awesome husband, a world-class wrestler, and an awesome coach. Like, it's too many. It's too many things. And it's exactly what you said. So by them, you know, being able to alleviate one of those things, uh, you know, the other three he's been able to excel in. And so that's, yeah, it's good news for all of us. If you're a wrestling fan, I think, I think something that's lost, and it's not a nice thing to say out loud, but greatness requires selfishness. Like it, it requires extreme focus. It, it, it requires almost myopia. And, um, you know, John Smith has talked about that. I'm, you know, a lot of people have, isn't like, I'm, you know, saying something that's headline-ish, but, uh, to be selfish and to be able to do that, you have to have the financial resources, you know, in my real job, I always joke with people. The only people that say money doesn't matter are the ones that have money, you know, cause to everybody else money matters. And so, it matters to these guys that like you, you know, you mentioned these guys that just got sponsors like a Bryce Meredith, the guy that never won national great wrestler, changed the, the face of wrestling for Wyoming, especially um, for him to be able to get money, to be able to, you know, train or stay at Wyoming or fight MMA or whatever he's going to do next. It's awesome. And it's, it's great that our sport is at a place where, you know, they wouldn't give him that money if it didn't make sense to them to do that financially. So that's, it's great. And it allows these guys to be, to be selfish in a really good way and that they can continue to put greatness out on the mat. Well, anything else for us, David, anything else you want to get into this week? I I just want to give a shout out to Sam Hayeswinkle. He got the job at Oklahoma city university and I, I actually coached against Sam when he was a true freshman. He wrestled one of our guys and just, a really a great wrestler and a really probably as great as he was was as a wrestler a better person and I'm really happy for him and I you know those those folks at Oklahoma City are, are really lucky to have him it's a great hire and uh, you know I expect big things from him in that program so I just want to give him a shout out and other than that I'm just looking forward I'm an interview well I guess I should tell you Cody Sanderson um, I think I just sent you that interview maybe yesterday or the day before, and it'll probably go up at the end of the week or after the World Cup. And then I'm going to get to interview Terry Brands on Friday at Carver-Hawkeye in person. So um, those will be the next couple match chats. Well, I'll be on the lookout for that stuff. And uh, as I mentioned, lots of setup coverage for the World Cup coming up this week. Be sure to check out On the Mat uh, with guests Bill Zadick and Jordan Burroughs. We may have another guest for that show as well. It's one you, you do not want to miss. Uh, so so there's that. We will have World Cup coverage throughout the weekend in Iowa City. David will be there. I'll be there. We'll have uh, several other members of the track wrestling team on site there. We'll be streaming it live on track wrestling, so be sure to check that out. It's going to be a fun couple days in Iowa City, David. I'm super excited, Andy. Uh, it's it's going to be awesome. Well, David, we'll see you in Iowa City. And uh, thanks to each and every one of you for giving us the time to tune in. Listen to Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirkatani. 
We will be back next week.